You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Today on the podcast, we have Mike McGrordy with Mike'sBackyardNursery.com. Now, Mike has a really interesting business, and I know Henry's going to love it because he oddly loves plants. Mike's business is in the plant nursery space where people can grow plants at home and sell them for a profit. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, Mike, if you want to give us a short background of your history, how long you've been doing it, and how long you have your business and your website, and what you kind of do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I've kind of, you know, first of all here, I'm northeast Ohio, all the way up next to Lake Erie, and we've got about 100 wholesale nurseries. When I was a kid, if if you wanted a job, you you had to go to a nursery and do nursery work. I mean, that was pretty much your opportunity. I did that for a couple of years when I was in high school, and I, I say in one of my books that I became an unwilling expert because I learned both common names and botanical names and all kinds of things about plants. And at that time, I did not have an iota of an interest in plants. I was just trying to earn a little extra money. And I spent 25 years working for the local city, but I continued to do landscaping on the side. And then kind of as a way to just invest some money, I started planting small plants in my backyard to later turn around and sell them in a profit. So that's kind of where the whole backyard nursery thing came into play. Okay. So who are your clients and what type of plants do you typically sell? And at what point do you sell them? I and a lot of the people that that follow me online grow for the retail market simply because retail is easier, much easier to break into. I mean, you can have five plants and immediately sell them at a profit where, you know, wholesale is a little different. Wholesale, you have to have some numbers in order to attract a wholesale buyer. I still can stick with the retail for the most part, simply because when I'm selling in retail, I'm growing plants in a relatively small container. I retail them for about $6 a piece, you know, the low priced ones. Wholesale, that plant would probably be worth about three and a half, probably around three, three and a half dollars. So retail will get you a higher price per plant, but there are also limitations as far as how many of them you can retail in a year where wholesale, you know, you can expand it a great deal. So so it's really up to the individual. Gotcha. You know, just to kind of be clear and, you know, you could break down the whole plant segment into little bitty segments and we're obviously not talking about larger trees and things like that, but we are talking about uh, landscape shrubs and small trees and, you know, do you do flowers, annuals and perennials also? I do a lot of perennials. I don't I don't do annuals simply because typically in Ohio and just about everywhere, if you want to do annuals, you need to do them indoors and you gotta you know, you need to, to be able to provide some heat for them and we have a lot of our members who grow perennials from seed. It's just not something that I do because I turn my nursery off at around Christmas time and I don't turn it back on again until almost April. That's just a personal preference. During that time, my nursery needs no attention from me. I love it. Okay. Uh, one question is, can you go into kind of what you do in terms of where do you pick up a plant in terms of age and then how long do you nurture it and then plan to sell it? I mean, it sounds like your cycle is even less than a year. So 
do people also hold it for longer, like you said, through the winter and maybe do three to five year? Because I know some of the landscape trees like Japanese maples, you know, the longer you hold on to those, the more they're worth, but they grow real slow. So I don't know if you want to comment on that. I teach a, a unique selling proposition where we offer as many plants as we possibly can in a price point of typically $5.97. So that's what my nursery is all about, $5.97 plants. Kind of what I try and teach people to do because there's a faster turnover time. And you bring up an interesting point because plants are sold, once a a cutting has roots on it, it has a market value. So it's a stick with roots. And then if you grow that thing for one season, it's what we call a liner, which is short for lining out stock, which is really kind of an antiquated term back in the days when everything went into the field, where today almost everything goes into a container. So once something, we even we even sell cuttings, I, not so much me, but all of our members, a bunch of our members sell cuttings with no roots on them. They sell unrooted cuttings, especially during the winter. So let's say that, that you have a, a really nice or 10 really nice red twig dogwoods. Well, the guy on the other side of the state doesn't have any at all. He'll, he will happily pay you for unrooted cuttings, and then he gets the satisfaction of rooting them. So the point when you sell the plant is really all over the ballpark. And you will plant them from a seed, right? Some things are, some things are grown from a seed. Most of what I do... I do by from cuttings, but you know, like oh, uh, white dogwood trees and redbud trees, and all kinds of different things can be grown from seed. If you like growing, let's say you like growing uh, white dogwood trees from seed, and you get really good at it, there's a market for that. I mean, we, you know, right now I I need some. If you told me, hey, Mike, I got 300 white dogwoods for a buck and a quarter a piece, buck and a half, I I jump on it because I have, okay. you know, I I had I finally found a few this spring. I just, you know, I, I don't fool, I don't have the patience, I guess, for growing from seeds. It's not that difficult, but it's just not something that appeals to me. What's your average cycle time from when you first start nurturing a plant to the point to where you sell it? Is it a couple months? Is it weeks? What does that look like? Well, it, you know, for instance, we do a lot of flowering shrubs. So not, not perennials, but flowering shrubs. So we took thousands and thousands of cuttings in June. Those cuttings are now rooted. I could pot them up now. I just choose not to because I really don't have a place to put them. The nursery is full. So we'll start potting those up in the spring. And some of those will be sold somewhere probably in the middle of May, closer to Memorial Day. You know, So the, the turnover time on, on some things can be less than a year. Other things are, are two to three years. But there are lots of ways to shorten that up as well by simply buying that liner from somebody else, putting it in a pot, and just marking it up and selling it. Gotcha. And I, I think there's a lot of people that will that will listen to this and they're all, their heart's racing and they're all giddy. And uh, I think, what would you say that they would need in terms of a minimum investment and where in that cycle would you expect them to, uh, as a beginner, get into this? You know, would it be to get some liners and something a little bit less risk or uh, where would you recommend? I mean, obviously it's geographical, but kind of a generic statement. The first thing you need is, you you know, you're going to want to put things in containers. So getting a good potting mix, it can be a little bit tricky until you figure that out because you don't really want to go to the the big box store and buy the bag potting mixes. They don't really do well for nursery stock that's outside in the elements and rain and under irrigation. So that's, that's a little bit tricky. And I have all that information on my website. 
So, but basically, I encourage them immediately to start buying some liners from other members because you can buy from the wholesale trades, but the wholesale trades are used to pick up on the phone and book in a five hundred or a five thousand dollar order, whereas our members are very happy to sell you five of this or ten of that, you know, so that you have things that you can get started with. And with those liners, you can put them in a pot and immediately take cuttings from them, start running those cuttings, and then sell the liners. So it becomes pretty quickly can become self-perpetuating. What about investment required? You know, does does somebody need to buy a little greenhouse? They need to buy like a little grow pad station. I mean, t- talk to us about the equipment that you need to be able to get started and maybe how much it costs. Well, basically, I, I, I teach people how to do this without a greenhouse. I do not have a greenhouse. I'm not a big advocate of a greenhouse because they, they are expensive. If you're in a cold climate, they're very expensive to heat. During the summer, they get too hot. You know, so we do everything out in the elements. So we use it. We have this plant propagation system that is a controlled watering system for rooting cuttings. And the investment for that thing is $297. So that's probably your biggest investment. You don't have to, to do that right away. I have a lot of techniques that I teach people, and it's, it's all on my website, about how to do that, how to root cuttings without that equipment. And like I mentioned, we do hardwood cuttings starting in uh, probably around Thanksgiving all the way through winter. We don't use that equipment all for that. Those simply go outside in the elements. So there are a lot of ways to do this on a shoestring. And I, I, I really... I constantly encourage people not to go crazy, not to spend money that you can't afford to lose, not to jump in and invest thousands of dollars because things can and do go wrong. You're much better off to start small and learn as you go. And that way, if if something does go wrong, it's a small thing, not a big thing. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So, you know, a $300 equipment investment and then I know the the price per pot and soil and uh, cutting or liner varies, uh, but is there a range? You know, maybe like a dollar fifty to three dollars per pot you would expect, and then uh, that way, you know, maybe someone with a thousand dollars could say I could three hundred towards equipment, and then maybe seven hundred or five hundred towards plants might get me this many, and I need a quarter acre type thing. You know, containers are. Plastic nursery containers are very inexpensive because we, you know, typically we don't grow in a real expensive container because because we don't need to. In other words, a wholesale nursery that's growing a half a million plants or, or half a million of, you know, three or four different kinds of things, they ship those things in, in semi-trucks and they stack them in the truck seven high. They need a very rigid pot to be able to do that. We don't do that. So we can use an inexpensive pot, pot that probably... Most of the pot, like I, if I buy one gallons, I buy them locally, I pay 22 cents. And that's kind of on the high end. The soil that goes into that pot, let's say that that's going to cost you another 30, 35 cents. So soil and container and, and fertilizer, you're probably still definitely under 75 cents per plant. Now, if you're buying things to put into that, into that pot, that can range too, but I just I just got an invoice today. I bought some stuff from a, a mainstream wholesaler. What the heck did I buy? Salvia, New Dimension Rose. I paid 69 cents for these things. So we put them in a pot, and we'll probably sell some of them in September. So we got, I got 70 cents in the plant and another 50 cents in pot, soil, and fertilizer. So they And some of those will go out the door in September for $5.97. 
One thing that comes to mind is how much you need to grow these plants. So if you want to have any kind of sustainable income, you know, I would assume you need a bigger footprint. So what kind of space are you working with? Well, just in the last week in our members area, some discussion about nurseries, urban nurseries that are in cities. And, and a couple people posted photos of their operation on a city lot. Now, my very first backyard nursery that I, I told you about a little bit ago when I just put some plants in the ground kind of as an investment my whole yard was one half acre and probably 80% of it was yard. So my actual nursery was one twentieth of one acre. And there's pictures of that on the website to probably, you know, somebody asked me, I can provide them a link, but they're, they're buried in there somewhere. Um, but you know, it was a very, very efficient operation. So I had one area that was probably 30 by 40 and another area that was 30 by 70. That, that was my nursery. And then come spring, we would lug all, take all those plants, clean them up, trim them, and then take them out front and set them in the driveway for sale. And once we had them all out front for sale, then we could start potting up things that were rooted the previous year. So it, it, was, it was a very, even now, you know, my place is five acres, but I probably am doing, I probably have less than, I'm thinking I probably got about a quarter of an acre of actual in production. I, I actually need to measure it to find out, but it's not as much of an area as you would think. So that leads me to a question on how big your storefront is and is your storefront the only place you sell these plants? Like, for example, a lot of businesses really leverage online channels, but I would imagine that maybe the plant nursery business is, is not quite like that. So where do you really sell your plants to drive revenue? Personally, I retail from my location here in Perry, Ohio, simply because I, I am able to. Not everybody can have a plant sale in their backyard if they live in a, let's say they live in a city or, or someplace where, or a village where zoning is an issue. So for me, I can pack people into my place and have, you know, 25, 30, 40 cars in there at one time and people running all over the place, loading up wagons. And my actual storefront is my whole nursery. I let people shop the whole nursery. So they get to see everything. There's nothing that they don't see. So they see things that were just potted. If there's something that's not doing well, they see that. So it, it's uh, very transparent is the way we do it. Now we've got, I've got other people that have, don't have the same opportunities. I mean, I got a guy in Erie, PA, he did retail there, but he quit doing retail and he does almost everything online he sells a ton of stuff just inside of our members area and we got a couple people that do that and have been doing that for years and years and years because we let them buy and sell to and from one another i know it goes into the tens of thousands of dollars and I, and I don't want to promise anybody anything but it's it's fun because first of all we let people in the members area for seven bucks for, for a mere $7, you can test drive it for 30 days, go into the buy-sell area, and just watch what happens when somebody puts up an ad and watch the orders come in because it's all pretty much visible right there in real time. You can see who ordered, how many they ordered, and how quickly some things sell out. So, And, of course, you know there, there are a lot of other ways to sell online as well. I mean, there, there's all kinds of people sell on eBay and Etsy and I, I don't do any of that. I'm really set up to, to do some of that. Whether or not I actually will pull the trigger and do it or not, I don't I don't know. I mean, 
we do these plant sales. We typically, the, the end of April, third week of April, so we'll do like four or five weekends in, in the spring and then maybe three or four weekends in the fall. And that, that pretty much keeps us busy. It takes us all the time in between to get the place filled back up and everything looking good and ready for the next plant sale. And, you know, the plant business is very seasonal. In the spring, people are in heat to buy plants. I mean, literally in heat to buy plants. And they'll, they just go crazy. And, and I don't care where you're at in the country, we see it everywhere. we got people all over the country that do this every spring. But the true gardeners are still out there every day looking for plants, looking for bargains. How do you prepare for that spring rush? I mean, it, it sounds like you do a lot of your initial, like the beginning of your cycles in spring. So is there anything you do other than just put a liner in a pot and mark it up? Well, we, you know, not everything, we, we wrote a lot of cutting. So we're, we're potting stuff all summer long. We got, you know, I leave all my cuttings and this is what people just can't get their head around, but we wrote all of our cuttings outside in the open and then come winter, come fall, I don't even cover mine. I just, you know, I'm zone five, Northern Ohio, a mile from Lake Erie, which can be pretty brutal during the winter. And my cuttings do just fine, completely unprotected. And that's important because you want to grow a tough plant because the person who buys it from me is going to take it home somewhere in northeastern Ohio and put it in their yard. So they want a tough plant. They don't want something that was shipped up from some southern state. With us, there's always something. We've, we've been sticking cuttings all summer. We just wrapped that up last week. For people who don't have a five-acre lot like you do, you know, how would you recommend they offload you know, like when you initially started, you know, a small space like that, how would you, is it a, a farmer's market or going to a local retail and uh, seeing if they would be interested in buying, you know, 15, 50, you know, type of this plant? Yeah, all of the above actually works. We've got a number of people that take plants to farmer's markets. One of the things that I teach my my members is I teach them how to market the plants that they grow. And I, I try and tell them, if you're going to go to the market, don't don't depend on the market to bring you customers. You go get the customers and tell them to come find you at the market. And, and I did that years ago at a, at a flea market. And there's a big difference between a flea market person and a plant customer. They're different animals. They think differently. They're looking for different things. But I did it successfully at a flea market because I just simply rented the space at the flea market. And then I ran a, my typical ad. And, of course, back then it had to be a newspaper ad. And I drove a ton of traffic into the flea market. The guy who owned the flea market was, you know, he wouldn't even take my rent money. <laughs> He's like, you brought so many new people in here today that no way are you paying rent. So, and then, you know, we, we have, I've got another gal that she's here in Ohio and she's got a, like a local market that she takes plants down there, sets them up. And then all he does is water them and collect the money. And I, I think he, you know, they, they split like a 20, she gets 80%, he gets 20%. So he gets 20% simply for, for keeping the plants watered and then taking the money and selling them. So there's, there's a lot of different options on, on ways to go about this. And of course, if you're, you know, if you're selling, I got another gal, I think she's in Illinois. She, she's selling to, there's a bigger wholesaler who doesn't have some of the things that she's growing or he has asked her to grow a few things for him. So there's, there's a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different ways to go about it. If you can't, and a lot of people can't have a retail plant sale at home. They're in a, they may be in a, in a 
subdivision where they have a homeowners association that won't allow it or their local zoning won't allow it. So you need to know that going in and you can still grow some plants in your backyard and you can probably very quietly, you know, take them out of a bed or take them out of a container and put them in a box and ship them off and nobody's going to be upset. But when you start attracting, you know, a whole bunch of cars lined up in the street, parking on other people's lawns, then you're going to get a lot of complaints. So, so how do you ship plants? Let's say somebody does have the space for it and they grow several different types of plants or, or they want to try selling volume. How do they ship them out? I, I think that would be, it seems like it would be tough. It, it's not really. It's actually pretty easy. And we've got, I've, there's a tutorial on my website and, you know, a couple of our members have done tutorials to show other members exactly how they do it. And, and of course, the best tutorial is to get in there and buy plants from somebody, somebody else. And then when they arrive, you can see exactly how they were packaged, how they look. But basically, it's as simple as uh, you, you, you're not going to ship them with soil because when you ship with soil, the Department of Agriculture doesn't like that because you can be shipping Japanese beetle grubs and all kinds of things that that might be harboring in the soil. So typically, most plants are either shipped bare root or they're shipped with maybe some uh, of a soilless growing media, you know, around the roots. But okay. ship them bare root, just shake them out of the container. So you're going to wrap them up, maybe wrap the roots in newspaper, wet the newspaper, and then wrap that in plastic. So ba- you know, the rule is. Moist roots, dry tops, stick them in a box, and then ship them priority mail or UPS. So the possibility of really selling all over the country is very real. I mean, people do do that. Yeah, I, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say all over the country because if you're on the East Coast, it's pretty challenging to ship to the West Coast because states like California and Washington and Oregon, Arizona. They have they got some pretty strict regulations on what can come into their state. So I don't like to mislead people and say you know the whole country is your market. But if you're on the East Coast, then the whole East Coast is your market. And if you're on the West Coast, you can ship to other people on the West Coast, and you can actually it's easier to ship out of the West Coast than it is to have things shipped in to you. So you can't nobody can really afford to market to the whole country anyway. So it's kind yeah. of nice kind of getting your head around a smaller area. I have a few questions on strategy. One is, do you recommend people finding niches, like for example, just doing willow trees or just doing bonsais or anything like that? Uh, Or would you say that, you know, there's a market for everything or just go what's local or go to your local wholesaler and ask them what they need? I mean, what would you you say about growing niches and and focusing on that? Well, I I think the the niche market is is interesting. I think it's going to be a, a more difficult thing to to reach your potential customers. So in other words, if you're doing bonsai, it's going to be pretty hard to find, not impossible, but it's going to be more challenging to find people who are in the bonsai in, say, three or four states, where if you're doing something that's more generic, you know, just about anything, anybody who sees a, fl- a flower, like uh, when I put something as simple as Java red wygelia, which is a flowering shrub. I'll put a, a photo, you know, on my Facebook post. They immediately want it. Same with hydrangeas, things like that. So it's pretty easy to get almost anybody interested in that. Whereas the, you know, the, the niche market is a little bit more challenging. Now, wholesale is a different animal. 
I mean, you know, I've been telling people for years, and if, and if I were younger, I would probably gearing up to do seventy to a hundred thousand rhododendron cuttings a year, because I don't, I, in my heart, I just don't believe that market will ever go away because not very many people are doing it. So they bring a little bit more price. Um, they're they're always in demand, kind of hard to find. Well, except for so here that, in Georgia. Yeah, in Georgia, we, I mean, rhododendrons, we love them here. And I, I mean, they're still hard to find, but uh, a lot of azaleas, a lot of uh, mountain laurel, things like that, they, they just eat it up here. Right. I, to- I told you Henry liked plants. Yeah, I grew Japanese maples growing up and Leland cypresses. So, yeah, it's, that's where I'm getting this, this passion. <laughs> the rhododendrons are very prolific there. There still are interesting varieties that people are still going to be looking for and still want to get. And of course, landscapers are always looking for, you know, rhododendron is a great landscape plant, no matter where you're at. So that, you know, that's a, another market. I mean, I'm sure that wholesale on a decent sized rhododendron today is probably at least 40 bucks. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I've been out of that for so long that, you know, buying on that size, but you know, back when I was landscaping, I, I was a really small landscaper, and I haven't done anything since '96. And even back then, I was spending, you know, at least twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year just on plants. So mm-hmm. it's at least it, it's a multi-billion-dollar market. It, it it truly is. We've got, like I said, we've got approximately 100 growers right here. And when they surveyed them a couple of years ago, these guys reported a cumulative income of $85 million. And at that time, only 85 people responded to the survey. So they were on average, you know, and I'm not going to promise people that that's a lot of plants. It's a lot of work. You know, what I teach people to do is to do it on a much smaller scale and do it to the point where it can, where your margin of profit is higher because you don't have the hundred people on the payroll trying to make all this happen. So what about people who have an interest and say, this is something I want to do, but I'm not very good at it. You know, maybe they don't have a green thumb. They got the black thumb of death and, you know, they can't keep plastic plants alive. So uh, what do you say to them other than go to your website? I mean, is there hope for these people? Well, I, I truly think there's hope for them. I think we've converted a lot of people because there's no, there's really no magic in a green thumb. Everything that we do is based on, on, you know, timing and technique. So, Anybody can make it work if you simply follow the steps, which are pretty basic and pretty easy to understand. And the beauty of our members area, you can come in every day and ask as many questions as you want and get legitimate good answers. I have one last question before we go on to our our big questions, the same questions that we ask everyone on the show. My one last question is, give us a hot tip for a high return on investment plant. What, what plant do you really like that doesn't take that long to grow? It has a good retail price. Give, give us this hot tip. I think right now I would tell you an, uh, a hydrangea in the PG family, you know, like PG is a paniculata grandiflora. So there's, there's two kinds of hydrangeas. There's, there's macrophyllas and, P, and PGs. The macrophyllas are the ones with all the pretty colors, but they can be challenging. But the PGs, like I do Annabelle, the thing roots like a weed in the dead of, you know, we stick them in the dead of winter and we pot them in June and sell them in September. So there's a lot of really nice ones in in that range that people, are, they go crazy over them. So I would say that's one item that you could turn over pretty quickly and find plenty of interest in. Awesome. 
All right, so now we're at part of the show where we ask everybody the same questions. And the first big question is, for a new guy, what would you recommend, like one piece of advice just for them to drive home? What would you recommend to them? I would, you know, and I'm not saying this to sell my products, but for $7, you can test drive that thing and you get good information. Because if you start out and don't have all the information you need, you can go a long ways in the wrong direction before you get corrected. And I think that's one of the things that I hear from people all the time. One, I should have started a long time ago. And two, I should have joined, you know, when I first had the opportunity. So that's one thing. The other thing is make a commitment. Just just commit to yourself that you're going to do this. And one of the things that I teach people today is to buy a liner, something that's a flowery shrub, and get and as soon as it makes a, a flower, get a picture of it, put it on Facebook, because immediately you, people are going to say, hey, I'll buy it. You know, I got five of them. And that way you get a, a feel for how quickly you can sell things when you have things to sell. That's good advice. I like that. What's your favorite resource? It could be a business book, a website. Uh, what do you recommend for someone to start learning about this or where they can learn more? We have the, the $7. It's called the Backyard Cash Machine. And then we've got a couple other books, uh, Small Plants, Big Profits from Home. We have a, a, back, a Backyard Growers University, as we call it, which is like 17 years worth of archive videos and stuff that we shot, You know, stuff that I started shooting back in 1994 at my very first Backyard Nursery. So all that stuff is available depending on how much somebody wants to invest. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, of people going all over the Internet looking for information because there's just so much misinformation out there. And that's why our members area is so important because people are going to be like, no, 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 don't do that. Just do this. And you can get advice from somebody who's doing exactly what you are trying to do. I think great. that's great info. And, and you can catch Mike at uh, Mike's, that's plural, Mike's BackyardNursery.com. And he said he visits the, the forums there every day. So if you got a question, it uh, sounds like anyone on the website would probably be more than willing to help you. But if, if it's something that Mike can answer, I'm sure he'll try to get to it eventually. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate your time. I, I certainly learned a lot. Yeah, you probably already knew all this. No, no, I'm just <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's great. I learned a lot of new words. All right. Thanks, um, man. But I, I appreciate talking to you guys, and, and I hope that we have inspired somebody to do something that they're going to really enjoy. Thanks, Mike. Take care. All right. Thank you. Wow, what a great interview. All right, Seabass, what'd you think? I just like that this is fun. I mean, anyone can do this. You can pick up a couple seeds for some trees that you like or some plants that you like, and you can just plant them. It's super cheap to start. I think anyone can start this, which makes it kind of attractive. What What about you? What do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, I dig it. I dig it big time. I think there's a lot of value. I mean, just from an emotional, like people with plants, I think there's a lot of value. And it's one of those rare things where a lot of people's passion can actually make them money. So uh, if this is what you want to do, I say go for it. I mean, I don't think it's going to be the easiest way to get to a million dollars, but you know that's not what life's about. I say if you want it, go for it. You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.